Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Awesome. Well, I'm continuing uh, the More Than Conquerors series, and I've entitled my message today, The Power of Your Will. The Power of Your Will. You know, our will is actually a very powerful thing. We, we actually see the power of our will from the moment that we're born. You know, we, are, we come into this world crying, don't we? The, the first breath, and we're crying. And we're like, hey, I'm here, look after me. That's our will, is to get our needs met. And this, this will actually just continues throughout our life. As we begin to get older, we, uh, we see the evidence of that will uh, being exercised, especially when our kids actually start to speak and they can talk back. Who's uh, experienced their children talking back? I, uh, I've got two 10-year-olds and a five-year-old and uh, talking back in our house is a daily occurrence because that's just what kids do. And, uh, you know, we... Who's ever, like, had their child swear to you that they didn't do what they did, even though you saw them do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, of my, one of my kids, I won't name any names, because they shall remain anonymous, decided to go into our cupboard and, and help themselves to icing sugar I think they had a sugar craving and there were no other lollies because we only save lollies for Friday night in our house otherwise we'd eat it every day so it's our boundaries for ourselves and uh, so she was craving sugar well you know it's one of the girls now but (laughs) sorry and uh, Wolfie couldn't reach that high so anyway she decided to help herself but the problem was she, she didn't actually uh, cover up her trail. She left, uh, she left icing sugar all over the cupboard and there was a patch on the floor and a few uh, footprints on the way out. And uh, anyway, Aston and I were in bed. So this was happening at probably 6 o'clock in the morning and we didn't know about it. And uh, anyway, we get up. I go to the cupboard and there's icing sugar on the floor and I'm like what's this icing sugar doing here have you been cooking in at midnight Aston and uh anyway I go and ask the kids and what do you, what do I get I ask all three and every single one of them wasn't me it wasn't me it wasn't me isn't this the normal response that we get we never want to fess up to what we've done anyway I asked again and I got the same reply, not me, not me, not me. So anyway, I lined them up. I said, all right, I'm going to give you one more chance. And at this point, I'd, I could actually see who had done it because they had a little bit on their shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually said to them, I know who's done it. I can see who's done it. And they still replied, it wasn't me. It wasn't me, and it wasn't me. So 
So I said, all right. It's at this point now, it's not about the icing sugar. It's actually about the lying. And so I said, okay. Well, I know who it is, and so I singled that one out, and I said, look, it's on your shoulder. You haven't covered your tracks well enough, so you're going to have to go to your room. And at that point, it wasn't me, Dad. I'm like, come on. (laughs) Like, you can still see it was you. So, what's, you know, and off she went to a room. And, uh, but it, it really showed the evidence of our will in that moment to not get caught out. It's a powerful thing. And so anyway, I, I went in and we had a chat about it and she finally confessed and she said, you know what, it doesn't matter that you had icing sugar, it was more that you lied to me about it. And uh, we, we sorted it out and it was all good. But, uh, you know, it's this, this will to, to protect ourselves and to get our needs met and to do what we want that really drives our behaviour in life. And, uh, you know, it's really important that we, as parents, manage these scenarios really well. Because it's actually in these moments that trust is built with our children. Because our kids are always asking us, not like verbally, they are, they, all they want to know is, are you going to look after us and do you have my best interests at heart? They're testing this all the time. They're making judgments about this all the time and it's how we handle these moments that actually determines whether they can trust us to look after them well enough. And if we don't handle them, what we actually do is we cause our children to actually hang on to their will even more. They take it back because they lose trust in our ability to look after them. You know, we... This isn't the only factor that contributes to uh, this happening in our lives. It actually happens with the environment that we create as well. You know, how we handle ourselves. Do we fly off the handle or do we create a peaceful environment? Do we create structure? Do we, uh, uh, do we maintain our cool and our calm and create a, an environment where kids can actually come to us and talk freely with us and... You know, this is, these are all factors that contribute to our child's well-being. And when this is broken, when this isn't handled well, when the environment's bad, we actually uh, reinforce our kids uh, to go back and just start to live their own lives based on their own will. And I've seen this, I worked in welfare for a long time, and I've seen the extreme of this happening. You know, I I worked in a homeless refuge for teenagers and there was one kid in particular that I looked after for 12 months uh, and he was the most neglected kid I've ever met in my life and it was a very sad case. Uh, He came from a a broken family where alcohol and drugs had been evident, uh, a single mum situation and... But the problem was this mum was so broken herself that she used to live, uh, leave her kids at home and go to the pub when they were little because she was just so hurt uh, herself that she didn't have the ability to look after her kids. And so the result of that was she, the environment that was created was one of neglect. And so these, 
it was him and his sister who was one year older and then an older sister, maybe two or three years older, right from babies, were just left at home. And, you know, these, this kid, we got him at 12 years old. And I've never met anyone so violent at 12, year old, at 12 years old in my life. Because he had had to fend for himself his whole life. Because his family environment was just broken. And so the, the, the thing that really used to set him off was when anyone would say no to him, he would fly off the handle. And the reason that that was a trigger for him was because he had to fend for himself his whole life. And so authority in his life had actually been a bad thing. The, the representation of authority in his life was not a good thing. And so uh, he struggled when anyone told him no. And, you know, that's an extreme case. He was a very extreme case. And I've had many more like it that I've had to deal with. But what I've realised is we actually all, on varying levels, experience this same sort of thing, whether we realise it or not. We all carry uh, the wounds uh, that come from our family environment that actually force us to con uh, hold on to our will and behave in certain ways. That's how life works. Because, unfortunately, no one's perfect. Everyone's broken. And so there is no perfect parent. And we all experience um, heartbreak and brokenness with the relationships that we grow up with. You know, we see maybe you've been in a family that uh, was like this, guy, this kid that I was talking about, where, he, where it's like it was so unpredictable, you don't know what the next day was going to look like. Or maybe an abusive parent or an alcoholic parent, and you've grown up in this environment and you're actually still dealing with the consequences of living in that environment. Because when we grow up in those environments, it actually causes us to behave in a certain way that we have protective behaviours that we don't actually know we still have because they become a part of us. Or maybe uh, you have a, an inability to uh, be vulnerable because uh, you, know, you were guilted and shamed into... Uh, actually behaving in a certain way. Or maybe uh, maybe you just never felt really good enough about yourself because the, the family environment was actually about achievement and success. The only time you got approval was when you did something right. You know, these environments create these uh, behaviours in us that, that we carry for our life. And the core of that is that it's actually our will that, that determines these behaviours. And so today, I really want to get to the core of that and, and help to break open these uh, behaviours that are actually dictating our life and causing us to live a life that isn't a life of victory, that isn't a life of freedom, the one that God actually called us and made us and created us to live. Because that's where He wants us to live. He wants us to live a life of freedom. He actually has plans and purposes for us and he wants us to step into those. And he actually has given us the power and the strength to be able to deal with these scenarios so that we can step into them. 
So today, I want to give you three steps to help you to step into uh, the power and the victory that God has for you. So my first step today is that we actually need to forgive. We need to forgive. You know, forgiveness, when someone's done something wrong to us, especially when it's our parents or a loved one or a family member, can actually be very tough. It can be very tough. And the ability to do that can sometimes take, you know, it might actually take some therapy and some counselling and, and depending on the scenario, I would encourage you to do that because that can be a journey. It's not just a snap of the fingers and let it go. We can't diminish those things. We actually need to... Uh, I need to validate that that, that that process may take a while and that you have permission to take a while to do that. It's really important. But we have to get to a place where we're able to forgive and let go of that person. See, Luke 17, verse 1 to 4 says, Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive. This scripture has so much in it that gives us the ability to move forward in these situations. The key in this scripture is actually found in verse 3. And it says, so watch yourselves. Why is Jesus saying to watch ourselves when someone else, when he's actually asking us to forgive someone else? It doesn't make sense. But the key is actually in uh, our ability to let that person go and not affect our life anymore. You know, when we don't forgive someone, it's actually like being tied to that person and we drag them around with us wherever we go. They dominate our thinking, they dominate our behaviour, they dominate the way we uh, function in life because they actually just sit in the back of our mind infecting the way that we see the world. I wonder how many people are you actually carrying around with you? Think about how many people you haven't forgiven in life. And it doesn't just have to be your family. It could be something that someone did to you when you were growing up. It could be something that happened at school. It could be something that happened in a workplace. And you've never been able to let that person go. Are you dragging 10 people around with you daily? That's a pretty heavy load to carry. See, the key here is that in order for us to be free of that is we actually need to forgive them. It's more about, you forgiving is more about you than it is about the person. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have boundaries. It's really important that we do have boundaries because if someone is unwilling to repent because of the way that they behave, we're allowed to put a boundary in place. And I think that that's very important. 
because God is not saying we just need to let everyone into our life who's not a healthy person and just let them do whatever we want to, to us. That, that's why it actually says, uh, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Rebuke them. Rebuke actually gives them an opportunity to change their behaviour. If we don't let them know that what they're doing is wrong, they'll never know that what they're doing is wrong and they'll continue to do what they're doing. So we actually have the power and the freedom to say, you know what, you can't do that to me anymore and we're well within our rights to do it. But it's actually okay uh, if they don't take up the, the challenge to repent to not be around them. But if they do, if they're like, yep, okay, I'm going to change, I'm sorry, and they show that they're willing to change, we actually have to forgive them. This is what the Bible says. And our ability to forgive them will actually give us the ability to function well in life. That is the key to forgiving. See, the problem is when we don't forgive, we actually get angry, we get bitter, we end up speaking negatively about that person. It actually uh, filters the way we see the world. You know, Ephesians 4, verse 31 to 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The, the ability to get rid of all that bitterness and rage and anger rests in your ability to forgive that person. Because you're actually freeing yourself of whatever that person did to you. And you're, you're breaking those ties off your life, which gives you the ability to walk more freely. The second step is that we need to repent. Once we've forgiven someone, we actually need to repent. And we need to understand what repent actually means. Repent being the key word here will help us to understand how to, to go about uh, repenting. See, Acts 3 verse 19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The word repent there actually means to change your mind. It's like a, a realisation of, you know what, I haven't been behaving the right way. The way I'm living is not right, so I'm actually going to do a 180 turn from that way of thinking and I'm going to turn back to God and live the way He's called me to live. That's what repent means. If we're unwilling to do that, what we're actually saying is, whatever that person did to me, I'm using it as an excuse to continue my behaviour. And we can't allow what someone else did to us to excuse our bad behaviour. Because that in and of itself is sin. When we continue to behave in a way that God has not called us or created us to behave, we're outside of God's will. And we act, it actually identifies that we are still living by our own will. 
So you might give uh, one area to God, but you might have all these other areas that you're still hanging on to. And our ability to let go of those behaviours actually depends on us. No one else can do that for you. That is our responsibility. And it doesn't matter what someone else did in the past, even though it may be hard, we still have to take responsibility for our own lives. We can't get stuck in the past. We have to leave the past behind. And the way that we do that is actually by the way we think, by changing the way we think. See, Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. See, the world would actually say, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's the way of the world. If that person did something wrong to you, you should get back at them. And you should take whatever you can in this world because of whatever that person did to you. That's the mindset of the world. Because the world is all about gratifying the desires of the flesh. We are selfish human beings. That is what sin did to us. When sin entered the world, it all became about us. And so it's really important, if we're going to become free of these things and live according to the way that God has created us, that we actually turn from those things. So if you have things in your life that are actually patterns of behaviour that are caused from what's, you know, the way that you're raised or uh, the way that someone treated you, the power of your situation actually lies in your ability to take responsibility for yourself. That's where your power lies. You're actually taking power back and you're taking responsibility and you're saying, you know what, I have the ability to overcome this. This person doesn't have my power anymore. So we have to repent in order to move forward. My third point this morning is we need to surrender. I think surrendering is actually a counterintuitive position for us, especially when our will is so strong. Our need to uh, do what we want whenever we want is actually a strong desire that we have. But Jesus actually modelled a different way of life and it was a very powerful way of life. And it was actually the one that uh, God intended us, uh, intended for us from the beginning. See, John 5 verse 19 says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. This is actually very key to Jesus' power when he walked on earth. He actually did nothing of his own will. Every part of his will was aligned to the Father. Every waking moment, he was actually looking to the Father to see what is my next step. Isn't that a challenge? I think that's actually one of the greatest challenges of life. 
but I think it's a challenge worth taking up. Because when we see how Jesus operated in this world, nothing affected him. Nothing fazed him. And in fact, God partnered with him and displayed his power to bring about healing, to bring about strength, to bring about his purpose on this world. And the challenge for us is actually to be like Christ. That is the challenge for us. See, Luke 22, verse 42 says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That is the standard of living that we are called to live. We are called to live according to the Father's will, not our own will. But I want to encourage you today. There's actually life in this. There is victory in this place. This is not just about trudging through life, trying to do God's will. That is a works mentality. We're not trying to get God's approval. He already approves. He already paid the price. He already gave us life. All we have to do is actually give him our will. And we are actually empowered to do that by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, we are signed, sealed, delivered with the Holy Spirit. He is the mark of the seal that is on our life. That when we say yes to Jesus, he comes and takes residence in our heart. And he is actually our helper. He comes alongside us, he lives inside us, and he empowers us to do the will of the Father. That's how this thing works. But the key in this is actually how we see the Father. How do you see the Father? Do you see the Father through the lens of your own Father? Or do you see the Father for who he is? Because this is the trick. Our relationship to authority determines how we see God's authority. That's how this thing works. And so we need to get to a point where we realize, you know what? We can fully trust God. And his intentions are always good. His intentions are always good. And his plans and purposes for you are to prosper you. And to see you step into uh, all that he has got for you. He did not come uh, just, to, just to die. But he came that we might have life. And it's this life that we are called to. Matthew 16 verse 25 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is a promise. And this is the life that he has called us to. You know, I don't know what you're going through. And the band can come up. We're out of time. And I might, I'd love to pray a prayer over you. If, you. if you want to stand this morning. And let's just create a moment for, for God to move in our lives right now. But you might be sitting here thinking, man, my life's been terrible. You don't know what I've been through. 
My dad wasn't around. It was just me and mum fending for ourselves or maybe dad was an alcoholic and he didn't know what every day was going to bring. Or maybe he actually had good parents. And uh, they had good intentions. But there's maybe a few words spoken over you that, that just cut deep and have caused you to live your life in a way that has caused you to see yourself in a, in a certain light. And I just want to pray over those situations, whatever your situation is today. I believe God has freedom for you today. He has freedom for you. And He wants to actually put the power back into your life that you've been longing to have back. He doesn't want you to go around the mountain again, dealing with every circumstance that, uh, you know, those circumstances that actually cause you to sabotage your life or cause you to make decisions that are not in your best interests. God wants to restore you in those areas. So would you just raise your hands with me right now if you feel comfortable, just as a sign of surrender, because that's what we're doing today. We're surrendering our will to God. And we're actually saying, Lord, you are the authority in my life. So Heavenly Father, right now, I ask that you begin to move in people's lives. That you would actually start to heal the wounds, Lord God. The wounds that have just been uh, continuing to fester in people's lives, that have been causing uh, people to live a broken life, Lord God. A life of despair. Lord, I just pray right now that you come and just do a mighty work in those areas. Where there's fear and anxiety, Lord, I just pray for your peace to just that, that peace that transcends all understanding, Lord God, the peace that only comes from you to just come and rest on people's minds and hearts right now. And Holy Spirit, I just pray for vision, fresh vision of a good future. Where there has been hopelessness, Lord God, where you've just, people have just never thought, I'm never going to get out of this situation. Because it just keeps, it's the story of my life. Lord, I just declare a new story today. A story of hope, a story of restoration, a story of power, a story of life, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would begin to change the narrative in our mind. That you are a good God. That you are a loving God. That you love us wholeheartedly, Lord God that you have good plans for us, Lord. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepparton.